Right now on Lone Star Politics, down to the wire at the Texas Legislature. We'll get an update from Austin on which bills still have life. You know, our priorities will stay the same that we've had success with. That's working on education, transportation, infrastructure, and delivering uh, jobs. Plus, Mayor Betsy Price is headed to a historic fifth term. She joins us with a look to the future for the city of Fort Worth. And New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand brings her presidential campaign to North Texas, why she says she deserves the support of Texans. This is Lone Star Politics from NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News. Good Sunday morning. I'm Julie Fine from NBC5 along with Gromer Jeffers, political reporter with the Dallas Morning News. Hi, Gromer. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Pretty, pretty good. It's It's been a, a, a wild week last week, but, you know, it just never stops. I but was, that's good for us. That's great for us. I was going to say things will slow down, but they won't. Right. <laughs> and this morning we're starting with the future of Fort Worth under the now historic leadership of Mayor Betsy Price. Last week she was elected to an unprecedented fifth term. Mayor Price was first elected mayor in 2011 after serving as Tarrant County Tax Assessor. And she joins us in studio this morning. Mayor Price, thanks so much for being with and, us. And happy Mother's Day. Yeah, thank yes, you. Right. It's exciting. Yeah. Thank you all for having me. First, let's begin with this. You're on your fifth term. What will be your number one priority for you know, Fort Worth? Education and economic development. And they go hand in hand. You can't have economic development without an educated workforce. We started that trend the last two to four years, and we're gonna continue it because it's critical for the future of the city. Let's look back at your race. Sure. What was interesting about it, you ran against Deborah Peoples, the chairman of the Tarrant County Democratic Party. She got an 11th hour endorsement from Beto O'Rourke, the Democratic presidential contender, former congressman. What do you make of, of, of the race in the sense that partisanship was injected into it? She wasn't shy about it. And do you think we'll see more of it in the future? You may see more of it, but I don't think it belongs there. I think city policies are, should not be politically driven. I mean, obviously, you've got elected officials, but they shouldn't be partisan. As we always say, police officers and potholes don't care which side of the coin you're on. And she did inject it in that, and she did get a last-minute endorsement. And it, it from hurt Bernie her. Sanders as from well, Bernie. right? Uh -huh. yeah. Probably hurt her more than anything. I worked... 10 or 12 different polling sites on Saturday, and more people said, we don't like this national business in our politics. We came out to vote against it. Do Republicans in 2020, however, should they be nervous in Fort Worth, especially after what we saw in 2018? You know, I think everybody should always be nervous about elections. The demographics in Texas are changing, certainly changing in Fort Worth, and I think you have to deliver your message, and you've got to be true to your message, and you've got to hit voters where they live. Let's turn to Austin. You have expressed concern over a property tax cap. It looks like one is coming. You know, right now they're talking about 3.5%. Mm -hmm. Now the Senate and House, they're trying to iron out their property tax legislation. Yeah, they, it does look like they're going to pass three and a half, and Fort Worth can live with that. We've been very conservative with our budget. Will it be difficult? Yeah, it'll be a little difficult when we have things like the fire truck, the million two fire truck that burned up last week right. to get there, to get those done, but we'll make it work. We're not going to cut police officers or firefighters, but every department will have to give a little bit. But really, if citizens are going to get tax relief, I've said this all along, they got to tackle school finance. You open that bill and 
October, you'll see no relief if they don't get school finance handled. Do you think that'll get done in a way that will, in Austin, that will help cities? Like forward. I, I hope it will. Yeah, we've been working very closely with them, made a lot of trips down there. We're on the phone with them all the time. They're listening to our input. We don't want to be against them. You want to be their partner to help solve this. I think they can get there. I think it, together we can all make this work for Texans. Clearly, I think you will agree the last several sessions, let's put this one aside, the last several sessions has been a challenge for, for local governments. Yeah. What about this session? and the House and the Senate in terms of local control, what grade would you give them so far? You know, the last two or three sessions, we would have given them a C or less right. on local control. This time I would say it's a little, I'd be a little more generous with them, but they're still not hitting in the A category. They still seem to think many of the cities that have policies they don't agree with, they want to paint all of us with that same broad brush, and that just doesn't work. Texas cities are all different. I mean, look at Fort Worth and Dallas. We're as different as they come, and yet sometimes they want to take away our ability to deliver our services. So what does the legislature, you just went into a little bit about local control, but what does the legislature need to do to be an A in your eyes? You know, I think they really need to be listening to their local partners and they really need to understand what we do and that we're not big extravagant with tax dollars. Yes, I understand on the election campaign, on the trail, they hear about property tax all the time, but they need to work with their local officials too it, it, because we're on that front line. It's the citizens who see us at the beauty shop, the barber shop, in church and tell us, you know, they tap you on the shoulder in church, say, Betsy, you need to look at my property taxes and they don't hear that as much as we do. So we really, they really do need to be listening more to their local officials. Let's, uh, let's, and in, in, when you talk about working together, your friend Mike Rawlings is, is going off the scene. He's finishing out his term. Dallas will have a new mayor, either Eric Johnson or Scott Griggs. First, do you know? I've these met guys? both of them, yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so what advice would you give them in terms of taking a regional approach? You know, uh, to, to problem Mike and I have worked on this for eight years. He's been an incredible partner. Obviously, both of us are going to fight tooth and nail for our own cities. Right. But when it's not coming to Fort Worth or it's not coming to Dallas, we're there saying this is a great region. You know, this is what you can find here. We've traveled together to promote the airport because the airport's our largest economic engine, 40 billion plus. Uh, in revenue for this region. And we need to continue that because people know us as one big region. What allowed you to build up such a relationship with Mayor Rawlings? The first week, Mike and I were both elected at the right. same time, yeah. exactly. And I went to, mine went to a runoff. And the first week after my runoff, we sat down and said, we got to stop this fighting. This is silly. It's de just detracting from both of us. Together, we can do great things. And he's been a really strong ally, and I'm going to really miss him. Yeah, there's... I like it, to give him a real hard time. You do, right? Because <laughs> there's a, a, a rivalry there, yes. right? But yeah. if it's a good-natured rivalry... I bet you enjoy that more than... Absolutely. Than, yeah. We always tell him when we travel, we always, and we speak together. Generally, I speak first because he always says ladies first. And I always say, we're here to talk to you from FWD. And Mike stands up and always says, she's dyslexic. She doesn't know what it really <laughs> ought to be. Well, uh, in the time we have remaining, you've been mayor of Fort Worth for a while now. What do you still have to do to, to bring the city together? I know you want to do that. There's still some division there. 
what do you need to do, you think, to, to, to make it one city moving in the same direction? You know, there is some division there. Our Race and Cultural Task Force, the incident we had, really brought to light a lot of things. We peeled the Band-Aid off and took a hard look at that. I think implementing the 22 items that they brought forward, making them fit for Fort Worth, and making people feel like they're being listened to, strengthening our neighborhoods, bringing additional jobs to those regions that are underserved, and transit so they can get to them. But mainly, I'll go back to education promoting great schools for all our citizens and access to early child care. Right. Mayor Price, thanks so much for being with Thank us. Thank you and for again, having me. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. And we're down to the final weeks for the regular session of the Texas legislature. What's been done and what could be left on the table. We're getting an update from Austin next. I have so much optimism about how important Texas is in both the primary election and the general election. Plus, another presidential candidate brings her campaign to North Texas. We're talking with New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand about her visit to Texas. Coming up. We're in the final days of the Texas legislature. Busy time, and this marked the deadline for House members to get their bills voted on on the floor. Dallas Morning News Austin Bureau Chief Bob Garrett joins us this morning from, Bob, from Austin. Hi, Bob. Hi, Julie. Hi, Hi. Gromer. Hey. How you doing? Good, good. Just a few days left of this thing. Just a couple. And the Senate and House headed to conference committee over school finance, Bob. They seem far apart on issues like raises. Will they get this hammered out? It's very likely, Julie, because uh, now that they've given up on, you know, increasing the sales tax to do a deeper property tax cut, I think the rest of this is not something they want to, you know, hang around in overtime all summer haggling about. Uh, so I think the, the biggest things that need to be compromised are the teacher pay raise. Uh, the Senate, as you know, is at $5,000 just for teachers and librarians. The House wanted to let districts have more say in determining compensation. Uh, I think they can compromise somewhere uh, on that. And the other issues have to do with use of, of STAR tests in teacher merit pay and, and uh, outcomes-based funding. Uh, those will be a little tricky, but uh, they'll probably find some middle ground there and cut a deal. Hey, Bob, a, uh, property tax relief was high on uh, Governor Greg Abbott's agenda. At the end of the session, what will, for the average homeowner, homeowner property tax relief look like? Well, the school finance overhaul bill is the vehicle for property tax uh, reduction. Uh, the other property tax bill just limits future growth. Right. So keep your eyes on the school finance bill. I, the Senate had a 10 cent per hundred dollar valuation reduction, the House four cents, but uh, the Senate uh, put a lot of uh, all existing possible revenue into that. I think actually, unlike, uh, it's counterintuitive, Gromer, normally if one chamber's at 10 and the other's at four, they would meet in the middle at seven. But in this case, both sides, now that the tax swap is dead, want to actually make 10 cents the floor. So I think they're going to try to get something in the range of, for the average Dallas home that's worth about $191,000, they're going to try, I think, to get something like 200 or $225 a year of savings. And it won't be guaranteed in the future, but uh, it will be the best they can do. Bob, let's talk about the sales tax swap. That's proposed by the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the House Speaker. It did not end up going anywhere. What happened there? Two things, Julie. One is the Democrats stood united against it as unfair to low and moderate income Texans. 
who would not get a net tax increase, uh, decrease, but a net tax increase. But the other thing is the Republicans fell to infighting, and particularly on the Senate side, Dan Patrick with his sidekick, Paul Betancourt, uh, really split over this. And Betancourt is now one of the more unpopular people in the Capitol because he really stood up against this thing. And it was going to be tough anyway, and that just made it impossible to sell. Yeah, Bob, and you have a nice story on that split between Betancourt and the lieutenant governor. Uh, you can find that at DallasNews.com. See what I see how I did that for you, Bob Garrett. <laughs> but uh, tell me about the impact of the 2016 election on Republicans this session. Has it been visible? I think it has been, and that's part of what you see between Patrick and Betancourt. Is Patrick? He will deny this, but he's had a, a, an encounter with the electorate last November. Uh, one by five percentage points, less than overwhelming amount against a lightly funded Democrat, Mike Collier. I think you've seen Patrick move away from some of the red meat uh, divisive issues. He still does a few, but uh, he's, he's sort of toned down his style. He's a little bit closer to Greg Abbott in style this time than he was last time. And Paul Betancourt, meanwhile, is Paul Betancourt. He's, you know, Tea Party special. So I think that's part of why you see that divergence there. Bob, we'll see you down in Austin soon. Thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. And President George W. Bush hosted the Warrior Open Golf Tournament honoring wounded veterans. Our Meredith Land spoke exclusively with the former president on the Dallas right. golf course. The president told Meredith he loves hanging out with the vets and has vowed to do everything he can to help them recover. You can see her interview online at NBCDFW.com. Still ahead, the race for president. We're sitting down with another Democrat who's hoping to capture the votes of Texans. Our discussion with New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand when Lone Star Politics continues. It's a crowded field of candidates for the Democratic nomination for president, and many of the candidates are making sure to stop through our electoral vote-rich state. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand was here earlier this week and came to talk with Gromer and me. And thank you so much for joining us, Senator. I'm so happy to be here. First of all, you have made three stops in Texas, but you're now competing in a state where there are two Texans in the race. What is your plan to get the delegates from Texas? Just meeting with voters where they are, which is what all campaigns are about. Um, I'm seeking the presidency of the United States because I care deeply about the future of this country. And the way you represent people is listening to them first, hearing their concerns, and then coming up with really bold ideas to solve big problems. And that's what I'm doing here in Texas. And you have a pretty good base here in Texas with progressive women, right? I know Naomi Avery, mm -hmm. Amy Boone, and, and some of the other leaders here. Uh, that must give you you know, uh, hope that you can do some, you know, good things here. Well, I think Texas can turn blue. I have so much optimism about how important Texas is in both the primary election and the general election. Um, you keep coming close to winning these statewide elections. I believe you can do it. Uh, not only producing two new members of Congress uh, from Houston and Dallas, it right. matters. And I think it's an opportunity for all of us to elevate our voices and be heard on the issues that people care about. Jobs, the economy, health care, making sure it's a right and not a privilege, fixing our public schools. Those are the priorities I've heard mostly from people in Texas. How has the entrance of the former Vice President Joe Biden into the race, he's the front runner, how has that impacted your campaign? 
So I think this is a marathon and not a sprint. And so I'm running because I believe I have a vision for this country that's bold. Healthcare is a right, a Green New Deal, a national paid leave, and also have the experience to actually get things done. Uh, what my story is is really different from every other candidate. I started out in a two to one Republican district. I won it twice, the last time with a 24 point margin. Uh, and I brought my whole state together and have the highest vote threshold in the history of the state's history at 72% because I do um, do well in the red places, the blue places, and the uh, purple places, and that's what we need. In this crowded field, though, how do you, set, do you set yourself apart? Right now, you're not running as one of the front runners in the poll. How do you turn that around? Again, because it's a marathon and not a sprint, you've got time. And the way you win is you talk to voters directly and you talk to them about the things that worry them, the things that want a, to be addressed. Uh, and for a lot of reasons, um, I think I represent a, a, a different vision and a different set of solutions than a lot of candidates because being a, a mother of young kids, I have a very different life experience. It's not surprising I've led the national debate on national paid leave. Um, it's not surprising that I've been leading on ending sexual violence in the military or college campuses uh, or in Congress or in the workplace. Uh, sometimes you need a different perspective to bring this country back together. And what my vote totals and, and uh, vote share in New York State show is that I really do bring people together. And that's what you need. We need to bring this country together. Uh, let's talk about uh, some issues. The president first. The Mueller report. You've read the report. Is there enough evidence to impeach? Should House Democrats push for impeachment? You're sitting in the Senate. It's unlikely because Democrats don't control the Senate that, mm -hmm. that something will happen there. But what do you think? I think the report is damning. Uh, there's a lot of evidence in there of obstruction of justice, um, many uh, facts that Mueller elucidated for us to know. But I think it's important that we have a process for bringing testimony uh, to the American people. I want to hear from Barr, uh, I want to hear from Mueller, and I want to hear from McGahn. If I can hear those three testimonies and get a fully unredacted copy of that report, uh, I can then know all the facts that I think the American people are going to want to know. So I think having a process really matters, but keeping impeachment on the table is absolutely necessary, given the facts and all this indicia of obstruction of justice that's been provided by the report. So, Senator, should that, should that question, the question of impeachment, be a political answer ultimately or an answer that's driven by the facts? It has to be driven by facts. Impeachment obviously is a political process, but it can only be determined on the facts. And I think the reason why Speaker Pelosi is asking for hearings in four committees is because she wants to get to the bottom of it. She wants to know we have complete transparency. And the fact that Mueller's, uh, that our access to an unredacted version of Mueller's report is an outrage. Um, what Barr has done is put himself between the Mueller report and the American people, which is not the intention of that statute. Senator, thanks so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed your trip to Texas. I certainly have. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And now to the Dallas mayor's race, which is headed to a runoff June 8th. Gromer and I will moderate a debate with the candidates, State Representative Eric Johnson and Councilmember Scott Griggs. You can watch it live Tuesday online at NBCDFW.com starting at 11.30 a.m. Packed week. This is all the time that we had. Thanks so much for being with us. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, including mine. See you next Sunday.